0: Hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm. What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. I've always struggled with my weight, but because I've never been significantly overweight, a lot of people assume I won the genetics lottery and that I could eat whatever I want nothing could be further from the truth. Starting with puberty, when my hips officially became the same size as my mother's, I realized I was not one of those people who could eat a cheeseburger and fries without consequences. So I started my lifelong commitment to keeping my weight down. I admit a lot of it was vanity, but when my dad had his first heart attack in his 40s and then died from coronary heart disease at 63... I realized that the genetic cards i had been dealt were less than fabulous and that for me, keeping a healthy weight was also a medical necessity. So overall, between eating carefully and being active, I managed to keep my adult weight within five pounds of my college weight. And then I hit menopause. Suddenly, my exercise routine and healthy diet weren't working. When my scale registered seven pounds over my acceptable weight and 10 pounds over my ideal weight, I did what any sane person would do. I bought a new scale. But the new scale didn't lie any more than that big lump around my middle where I'd never had one before. So I started to be really careful about everything I was putting in my mouth, but it didn't matter. The new scale was stuck. And I was upset because even though I'd witnessed it so many times with my patients and was well aware that on average, women put on five pounds the first year of menopause, and then one to five pounds per year after age 50, I didn't think it was going to happen to me. In addition, since estrogen directly impacts the distribution of weight, I realized that even if I hadn't gained a pound, menopause was to blame for my new muffin top. This has been well researched, including a 2021 study in which researchers tracked the bodies of 380 middle-aged women for 12 years, which included the time frame before and after entering menopause. During perimenopause is when there was the biggest jump in weight, and overall, the women started storing fat more like guys, up to a 24 percent increase in their midsections and less fat around the thighs and hips. I personally have not experienced the less fat in my thighs and hips, just saying. And this increase in fat, it doesn't just affect your belly and midriff, it also accumulates inside. Visceral fat, the kind of fat that surrounds your organs, is particularly bad fat since it's linked to heart disease, diabetes, and cancer, as opposed to the fat stored in the thighs and hips, which inexplicably appears to protect against diabetes and heart disease. Okay. So far, I haven't told you anything you don't already know. You're going to gain weight and that there's going to be a redistribution of the weight that you have. So let's talk about the why. Because while the weight redistribution is a direct result of low estrogen, the weight gain isn't. For years, I told my patients that they could blame their perimenopause weight gain on a sluggish metabolism and that even if they ate the same and exercised the same as in their 30s, they would gain weight. The mantra was always that metabolism slows with age and that midlife weight gain was completely out of your control. But- A new study published last year established that metabolism doesn't slow down until age 60. In fact, when that study was released, I was putting the final edits on my Hot Flash How book, and I had to go back and rewrite the section on midlife weight gain based on the findings of that study. This is what we now know. Babies until age one have the highest metabolic rate, about 50% higher than adults. From age one to about age 20, metabolism gradually slows by about 3% a year and then holds steady from age 20 to roughly 60. After age 60, long after the onset of perimenopause, which is when most of the women are gaining their weight, is when metabolic rate slows. But even then, it's not much, only by less than 1% a year. And there's no difference in these changes in metabolism between men and women. So where do hormones fit into all of this? Well, hormones do play a role, but not the ones you think, not estrogen and progesterone. I'm talking leptin and ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hormone which singles hunger to our brain. Ghrelin is the, I want food, I need food, where's the food hormone. Leptin is the hormone which signals fullness to our brain. I've had enough, definitely not hungry. Hot Fudge Sunday, not interested. Leptin decreases your appetite and ghrelin increases it. So in order to not overeat, you want your leptin levels to be high and your ghrelin levels to be low. Well, hot flashes and lack of sleep mess with our leptins and ghrelins. More on that in a minute. Now, the other reason I just need to mention for putting on pounds is, I mean, let's face it, let's look at our typical American diet, heavily processed food, calorie dense food, all that has skyrocketed over the past few decades. Pre-prepared processed foods are also cheaper than healthier options, which makes those in lower income levels even more prone to obesity. And then there's the lifestyle. I mean, the kids are finally out of the house and you deserve to eat out and have wine with every meal, but it does add up. Uh, it's also the rare adult who's physically active in her 50s is when she's in her 20s. Our genetic makeup also plays a role and may determine if you're more at risk to gain weight. It's estimated that somewhere between 40 and 70% of people with obesity have a genetic predisposition. And then there's emotional eating, and you know who you are, and you don't need a lecture from me on why you will gain weight if you eat an entire bag of potato chips with onion dip. So there's lots of reasons that have nothing to do with hormones, why women gain weight midlife. But men age, men have the same genetics, men have lifestyle changes and less than perfect diets, but it is twice as likely, twice as likely for a midlife woman to become obese compared to guys. So what's the difference? The difference is men don't have hot flashes and insomnia, and that's where the menopause factor comes in. Every time you have a hot flash, there's a surge of cortisol. Cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, is produced by the adrenal glands. When your body is stressed, as in when you have a hot flash, cortisol increases. A small transient rise in cortisol doesn't cause problems, but if it's chronically consistently elevated, there's an increase in blood sugar levels and appetite. And the result is that losing weight becomes a losing battle. And in the large study of women across America, the SWAN study that tracked changes in women during peri and postmenopause, the women with the most hot flashes were also the ones who gained the most weight. So while low estrogen doesn't directly cause weight gain, low estrogen that leads to hot flashes does. It's an indirect effect. The second factor for weight gain due to menopause is insomnia. The fact that lack of sleep is associated with weight gain, not news. When we don't get enough sleep, our bodies release cortisol, the stress hormone I mentioned earlier that causes weight gain. Our body also produces more ghrelin levels, the hormone which signals hunger to our brain, and when we don't sleep, we have lower leptin levels, the hormone which signals that you're full. The human sleep cycle is also tied to thyroid function. It appears that inadequate sleep is associated with a lower thyroid-stimulating hormone, which further slows your metabolism. Inadequate sleep not only makes you hungry and slows your metabolic rate, but if you're exhausted you'll tend to want pizza instead of grilled veggies. Working out when you're barely functional, it's not going to happen. Seven hours of continuous sleep appears to be the magic amount to ensure that the hunger-controlling hormones leptin and ghrelin are optimal appetite control levels. Hot flashes are the number one cause of inadequate sleep during peri- and post So these two factors, hot flashes and insomnia, explain why weight gain is the highest during perimenopause when hot flashes and insomnia are at their very worst. All right. You're never going to get your 20-year-old body back any more than you're going to return to a wrinkle-free face. But now you under- that you understand why this is happening, let's talk solutions. And I'm not just going to tell you to exercise more and eat less. You're welcome. While obviously diet and physical activity are important, my approach is to eliminate some of the specific factors and behaviors that are sabotaging your inability to lose the weight. So what I'm going to do is give you 12 tips that help me and have helped my patients. Number one, you need to get rid of the hot flashes. The elevation in cortisol that occurs with every flash is sabotaging your weight loss efforts. Waiting it out is not a realistic strategy, given that hot flashes last an average of seven to 10 years. Some women flash forever. So whether you choose to go with a hormonal or a non-hormonal fix, lose the flashes and you'll be on your way to losing the weight. Tip two you need to get a decent night's sleep. You know, as I mentioned, seven hours of uninterrupted sleep appears to be the magic number to ensure that the hunger-controlling hormones leptin and ghrelin are at optimal appetite control levels. And yes, hot flashes are the number one cause of inadequate sleep during menopause, but they're not the only culprit. So, if you fix the flashes, or you're in that lucky twenty percent of women who don't flash, you need to figure out other reasons why you're not sleeping restless leg syndrome, stress, a snoring bedmate, chronic pain, sleep apnea, the list is long. I cannot emphasize how important it is to get a decent night's sleep in this battle to lose weight. And again, inadequate sleep not only slows your metabolism, it also leads to poor food choices. A sleep specialist, and most hospitals have one, may be your savior. And yes, I am going to be doing a podcast with a sleep specialist. Number three, Hormone therapy. If you choose to go that route, will not only get rid of the flashes and help you get a decent night's sleep, but taking estrogen will also help reduce that muffin top. Not get rid of it, just make it a little less noticeable. Number four, drink like they do in Hollywood. Have you ever wondered how celebrities keep from getting fat? Well, having your own trainer and personal chef doesn't hurt. But sticking to tequila and other clear alcohol is a strategy that also helps. The choice of alcohol has a significant impact on your calorie intake. Cocktails, beer, other sugar-filled drinks like margaritas are the worst culprits. Wine was one of my weak points until I realized that two glasses with dinner at 120 calories per glass added up to 25 pounds a year. And while we're on this subject of wine beware the bottomless wine glass. If you go out to eat a lot, and I probably go out to eat more often than I should, it may seem more economical to order a bottle of wine instead of by the glass, but an attentive and motivated waiter will make sure your wine glass is never empty. You'll drink a lot less and know how much you're drinking if you order your wine by the glass and don't let your waiter do the pouring. Tip number five. That first drink always goes down the fastest when you're thirsty. So, before you gulp down a Chardonnay or Cabernet, start with a sparkling water. I usually put it in a wine glass so it seems more festive. It will cut down on your alcohol consumption for the evening by at least one glass, if not two. And given that a glass of wine has, again, about 120 calories or more if you pour really big glasses. Four less glasses of wine a week translates to 25,000 less calories a year. Tip number six, if you inherited your grandma's china, you may have noticed that plates used to be a lot smaller. Yeah, dinner plates of sizes have increased on average by 23% since 1900. Studies have shown that using a smaller plate can result in taking up to 30% less food than you would with an oversized plate. Number seven, let's talk buffets. I worked my way through college and medical school as a waitress in a seafood restaurant. I know that the starchy, fatty, filling, really tempting, inexpensive stuff like tuna salad swimming in creamy mayo, pasta salad, and potato gratin are at the beginning of the buffet. The restaurant is banking on the fact that you will load up and not have any room on your plate for the more expensive shrimp, oysters, and crab legs so they put it at the end of the buffet. Before you start to load up your plate, scope out the whole buffet. Number eight, you may want to rethink skipping breakfast. A year-long study showed that women who did not snack mid-morning lost on average 4% more body weight in comparison to the 10 a.m. snackers. So Eat a decent breakfast. and Then if you get really hungry mid-morning, as opposed to eating because you're bored or need a break from what you're doing, Make sure you're surrounded by bananas, apples, and carrot sticks, as opposed to trips and trail mix. Number nine, those sugary drinks have got to go. Multiple studies have proven that sugary drinks increase the risk of obesity, as well as heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and gout. A typical 20-ounce soda contains 240 calories or more, and those calories, they don't give you a feeling of fullness, so you're not going to eat any less. Replacing sugary drinks with non sugary drinks can result in an average weight loss of 2 to 2.5%. Number 10. When I offer to bring food to a party, sure, it's to help out the host, but it's also to make sure there's something there I'm going to want to eat. That way, I can avoid getting stuck at a dinner with no choice other than lasagna and salad drenched in Thousand Island dressing. Number 11. Even if you don't like to exercise, you do need to increase your activity. I sit when I'm in the office talking to patients, but when I'm working from home, writing or working on lectures, I'm almost always at my treadmill desk. It's easier to write and walk than you think, and even though I'm only walking one mile an hour, it adds up. Not to mention, I no longer have neck and back pain that I used to get when I was hunching over a desk. You don't have to have a treadmill desk to increase physical activity. Any increase in physical activity will help reduce belly fat and body weight, tones muscle, and is useful for preventing chronic diseases. And honestly, the most important thing is to wear shoes you can actually walk in, and you will end up walking a lot more. And finally, number 12, spending time with a friend does not need to always involve food. It's so automatic. Let's meet for lunch, let's meet for coffee let's meet for a drink. So I changed all that. My weekly manicure is shared with a good friend. We walk to the neighborhood nail salon, chit-chat over her mani, and then hang out to dry. Golfing, going for a walk, shoe shopping, one of my very expensive weaknesses, are all good ways to catch up with a friend without eating in the process. So those are my 12 tips. The truth is most of my patients know what they should do, and they can give the lecture on what they should and should not be eating. For a lot of women, it comes down to the pattern behavior that sabotages a healthy diet. And if you're one of those people that can't start your morning without the donut to go with the coffee, there are scientific-based strategies to get rid of the bad habits and break the disconnect between what you should do and what you do do. And you don't need to spend a ton of money with the commercial program. I recommend Dr. Robert Kushner's book, Six Factors to Fit. I've worked with Dr. Kushner for years. He's an internationally recognized expert when it comes to weight loss, as opposed to all those self-proclaimed experts that just want to sell books and supplements. Six Factors to Fit is a research-based, scientific, personalized plan that deals with behavioral patterns. You can go to the Six Factors website. The link is in the program notes and take a quiz to find out which category you fall into, the convenient diner, The self critic, the fast pacer, the exercise struggler, or the all or nothing doer. I'm the self critic. Dr. Kushner's approach has been the game changer for so many of my patients, whether they're dealing with lifelong obesity or just a few menopausal pounds. So check it out. It's also interesting to me that if someone has a medical illness such as diabetes or heart disease, it would never occur to them to come up with a do it yourself treatment plan. But when it comes to weight loss, Almost everyone thinks they're like a failure if they didn't do it on their own. Almost every local hospital has a program and the structure and accountability make a big difference. Whatever program you choose, make sure it's a plan you can sustain that would not be the nothing but grapefruit diet. And then always helps to like hang out with a supportive friend, spouse, or partner to stay on track. Notice I didn't say anything about weight loss supplements, Despite all those enthusiastic testimonials, supplements that promise to make the weight melt away, they don't work. If they did, everyone would be at a healthy weight. And that's all I'm going to say about that. There are a lot of FDA-approved weight loss medications and a number of surgical procedures, but those are not intended for the person who needs to take off five or 10 pounds. Those are meant for those that have a large amount of weight to lose and should be prescribed under the direction of a weight loss expert. There also needs to be some acceptance that your 60-year-old body is not going to be the same as your 20-year-old body. And I'm not suggesting that you accept an extra 20 or more pounds that will increase your risk of heart disease and diabetes, but that extra five pounds that settled around your middle, it is what it is. And Spanx was invented for this reason. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my inside information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. I finally found a friend who understands the flashes and the feelings. i yeah.